During this week's episode, we do go into a heated discussion about anti-Semitism and white supremacy. There is foul language used. There is some discussion about the Holocaust. Please feel free to skip this week's episode if you wish not to hear this topic of discussion. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your home for all things competitive Pokemon TCG. In this episode, we're going to be going over the Hartford and Malmo regionals. We're going to do a quick MetaShare study about where some of the decks might have seen some success and some of them might have fallen off the map altogether. We get to talk about a not-so-hot topic discussion today, and I'm very much so not looking forward to it, but we need to say our piece. It's what we do for the community. We're going to finish off with a listener question as well as our predictions for the Lima special event and the Taiwan and Thailand champs. I am your host, Drew, and with me as always is Justin. Justin, how are we doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Drew. Uh, had another great week uh, after we talked last week. Um, ended up doing a bunch of home projects, uh, you know, the honeydew type stuff, which was, was great. Um, spent some time with, you know, obviously the family outside of that, and then hen- ended up going to a challenge, a um, little bit smaller of a challenge, obviously, because Hartford, Connecticut was, uh, or the Hartford Regionals was going on, but ended up winning the entire uh, thing, played Turbo Lost Box, um, despite my iffiness on Lost Box decks, um, and just had a hot streak and uh walked away with the win um didn't scoop to anyone this time so that gives me a first and second finish for challenges so far and uh kind of debating to go to another challenge this week and see if i can replace that second place with the first place um how are you doing Drew? yeah that'd be cool oh i'm good um i got to play just a little bit of pokemon at locals this week i had to scoop it up for um some personal things but other than that uh, the Discord was popping this week, played a lot of webcam games, played some retro with you, which was super fun. Yeah, um, yeah no, it's just, it's been a good time. Um, yeah, we both you know, went super degenerate, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, oh man, just duck lock for as many turns as I could get set up is, is uh, definitely a good time. Um, but yeah, I did not win that game, just in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> duck lock will only get you so far. Um yeah other than that i have a corporate walk coming up at work and that's been stressing me out like crazy um it actually is supposed to happen tomorrow so tomorrow i anticipate being a very long day and i'm hoping i can still go play pokemon with what little brain i have left over afterwards uh but yeah it was a really good weekend watching some pokemon there were some really cool things that did happen. There were a lot of bad things that happened. So without further ado, we'll dive into the results recap, starting with Hartford, Connecticut, 1,059 Masters. And what incredibly unorthodox Medical won this event? Uh, a, view, a version of Mew VMAX that we haven't seen in a very long time, at least not doing well, um, is Meloetta Mew, um, also including the Deoxys, that's the Fusion, Rapid, and Single Strike. Um, the So just a Deoxys Fusion list, which is kind of wild to see this do so well, um, winning the whole event. I mean, something I don't think 
anyone expected um except for uh on twitter uh king dre uh dre oxys he i was just about to say dre from california is probably turning in his you know not quite yet grave but absolutely <laughs> baffled <laughs> that this dude played this list almost to a t in portland and this thing wins the immediate event after yeah it's wild and like the the crazy thing about this is like we do see the consistent things that we see in every mule list. You know your your high ultra ball counts, your four uh, power tablets, four crams, battle VIP, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a lot of really interesting text in this deck that I like, um, and you know, and also find weird, but it kind of makes sense. Um, things like the Crystal Cave uh, with Lost Box being such a dominant deck right now, and uh, you know Sableye being able to place damage. What better way to disrupt what they're doing than you know, heal a little damage off of a Genesect that they're trying to set up a KO on, or, um, you know, maybe even do something like play the one of Penny that we have in this deck, so we can just completely negate that damage whatsoever, set it back down, and, you know, make them start all over again. Uh, that, and then just a high count of four Seal Stones that are guaranteeing finding what they need when they need it. Um, it's just a, you know, really cool thing to see this deck make an appearance again. No, I tend to agree. Um, I remember very vividly that Melometa Muse stopped when, um, what was it, Palkia Inteleon was everywhere because the solid line of play was to um, Moonlight Shuriken both a Meloetta and the Mew to set up, you know, potential three prizes with the limited amount of damage that Palkia was able to do. But now with Palkia not necessarily seeing a whole lot of play it's a lot safer terrain for Meloetta Mew to you know be very good again because there's only one other deck in the format that can do turn one two ten and that's Mirrodon and that's fully contingent on you landing electric generators or your opponent benching a whole bunch of stuff and you can use your most energy efficient attacker in Raikou so this was an insane meta call and it's crazy that we get to talk about it twice in this episode but uh, is there anything else in this list you want to point out before we move into second place i mean they're not playing the heavy path to the peak build like we kind of saw but i think that kind of go lends to you know obviously making the room for the the deoxys and the four uh four fusion strike energies but i mean not necessarily I, the i think it's pretty much what we would expect at this point in the um Meloetta, deoxys fusion strike lists honestly yep no i tend to agree second place grant shen playing lugia v-star archaeops of the single strike variety what can you tell me about this list buddy uh so it's pretty much almost the exact list that we saw uh reagan retzloff doing you know very well with uh still just of you know, Lugia in this format is still just a very strong deck, and I actually really thought for a minute that, uh, you know, Grant was going to win the entire event. Uh, I know he kind of had some very unfortunate starts and draws throughout the series, um, especially Game 1. And even Game 2, I actually thought he was going to win Game 2 just by a bad start. Luckily, he was able to pull it back out and go, you know, and take the win and go to Game 3. Um, but if I think if he didn't have those bad starts he might have actually been our you know champion because tarantar does a lot of damage um it has a big hp and it just you know hits big numbers especially against me you're playing very strong dark type attackers and 
all you need to do is knock out two mu VMAX and you you know you win the game so um just really solid consistent list honestly i tend to agree um lugia has always kind of failed at having a strong turn one going second you know read the wind is good but in those instances you need to put two lugia down and in this new version lugia is not your best attacker so it definitely gets a little awkward um you do need to play like the full three games unless you just absolutely steamroll and your opponent draws bad but Meloetta mew playing what 70 percent items is gonna draw through a lot of cards and capitalize on decks that don't have turn one attacks like this in arceus yeah and i think if i remember correctly i did watch but i did watch the the finals but i um i'm drawing a blank at the moment but i'm pretty sure he started tyranitar two of the three games which i mean starting something that you know big in the active without a lugia v is kind of kind of rough you know you really want to start something in the lugia you know aspect or at least at least maybe one of your like single prize or pokemon that you you know you're not worried about getting knocked out without you even getting set up so it was a little like i said some unfortunate starts but um he was able to pull out one win and you know give us a really good finals round uh on the stream yeah and you know there's something to be said about that finals the casters hyped up so many of the interactions between the players there was at one point in game two where a heads was flipped off of i believe mesagoza and you know rowan playing mu uh, meloetta uh, got a really good start grant went for the handshake and it was misinterpreted and i don't know if it's intentional or not but it was hilarious because you know the camera zoomed out the champion <laughs> banner was put around rowan and the music started playing and they're like oh wait they're still playing and that's what made it really you know fun to watch it was very entertaining nonetheless mu meloetta still did mu meloetta things and uh that's the end of that series so we'll transition into uh malmo regionals which had 473 masters and my goodness we get to talk about mu vmax and meloetta again uh <laughs> this is uh weird that it's won twice in two different regions uh but they are still in the same meta so it does make sense if a lot of people are playing rcs rcs has no real turn one threat and this version of mew can really capitalize on things like that um not a whole lot of changes uh i want to say his name was uh loss or a lot i think it's loss um he's playing two path rowan played one um uh, they're playing two four seal stones round played three and the supporter count is still incredibly limited with like six or seven between the two um you know this is definitely a very strong version of mew um and just capitalizes on everything arceus flavored what you got yeah so i mean it is a little bit different um obviously instead of the crystal cave we're seeing the lost city here which is still also very strong in those lost box matchups you know you you get rid of a sableye or something uh really important at the right time you just throw that whole game plan off um this deck is actually playing copies of judge whereas uh rowan's was not they were playing the roxanne um and then just you know couple other little things here and there i think there's an extra loss vacuum here and a, and a feather ball whereas rowan wasn't playing a feather ball at all um and a higher escape rope count and stuff like that but yeah again just i mean cr a crazy meta call oh and this also does play the deoxys as well too 
Um, so it is. It just feels like both these guys had the right medical for the weekend, just something people did not expect. And what's crazy, too, um, is I, I saw the, the tweet floating around somewhere on Twitter, but um, I, I'm going to butcher the name, but Lass, Lassie, whatever his name is, um, had you know, done really bad at EUIC where they completely whiffed points and thought they had no chance whatsoever at Worlds. And one of his buddies made a joke about, hey, come back, just just do well at uh, at Malmo and you can get your World Invite. And lo and behold, he goes and wins the whole thing and gets his World's Invite. So um, congrats to Lass on that accomplishment of winning and also getting your invite all in the same event. That's like insane. Yeah, no, it's it's super cheeky. Um, you know, the dude really came in and said, I don't have the metagame if I can get that explosive turn one. So, you know, you got to respect Melo and Mew, but maybe it's a time to Moonlight Shirk and some, uh, some baddies out here in the field <laughs> for sure. Um, one thing I really do like about this is uh, two reasons. Fusion Strike Energy eliminating uh, the effects of your opponent's abilities. With Umbreon seeing a tremendous amount of success right now in Arceus decks, you now cannot get gusted if your Pokemon have Fusion Strike Energy on it. And that is a big leg up on that specific um, deck at this time. And playing the one Lost City like Lost did in his deck, um, you're already relatively Drapion proof if you have a single prizer that could do the same amount of damage as Mew VMAX. So having that one Lost City to prevent that Sec- first or second Drapion to rear its ugly head. Uh, it just gives you a huge leg up. You trade so favorably, and you know it's a really good field for this deck right now. Yeah, Lost City and that Drapion is huge, especially in the Turbo Lost box where they're you know they're really wanting to go in with that that Sky Se- or not the Sky Seal Stone, but the uh, or yeah the Sky Seal Stone to take that extra prize card on that Mew V Max. Um, so by getting rid of that early on or before they have the chance to, or just not letting them do it again. Um, is is pretty good for the deck. Yep, I tend to agree. Second place is uh, Constant Kayama playing Mew VMAX as a DTE, DTE variant. I think that one just pales in comparison in terms of explosiveness to this particular deck. Don't have a list to go over and kind of talk about. Uh, but we can go into our honorable mentions. First is going to be the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're sixth or eighth place. Um, Arceus Duraludon and Umbreon VMAX played by Ryan Harris and Hartford. Um, the list is sick. We've seen it before. We've seen it all over Twitter since then. Three Lost Cities, super duper important. The one single strike energy, which I think is perfect for fixing the math on Duraludon to hit those real difficult 230s in the format right now. Two Umbreon act as two additional gusting effects of, on top of having the two bosses orders. Uh, the deck is sick. And, you know, there's a reason why Gardevoir's not doing as good right now, and it's because of the silly tech they keep throwing these Duraludon decks at this time. Yeah, I actually love this list. I was really prepared to play uh, an incredibly similar list to this um, to the challenge, and then last minute just decided to go with the Lost Box, which I'm glad I did because there was actually multiple people playing this list uh, there. I, I ended up playing one of the people playing it and uh, got the victory obviously by him but it's just incredibly strong and i mean and i think this is doing so well too because arctina was such a um so hyped up after it won the last regional 
Um, and this playing the the big V maxes just makes it a little bit out of range for uh, Arctina to consistently hit those numbers, especially if you're going in with that Duraludon. Sure, they're doing a lot of damage to you, but they have to do it twice in a row. Whereas you can, you know, chip damage them with the Duraludon V max, move some damage counters around. They're having a second shot. You know, it's just the trade offs and things like that is is very strong uh, for this deck against Arctina. So. I do like this list a lot too. I'm actually really excited to play this more. Um, again, it goes back to me saying the last couple of weeks, I hate when a deck gets super popular because then you see it everywhere and it makes me want to play it a little bit less, but it's just a cool way to play Arc Dura um, going forward. Yep, I tend to agree. Uh, the next list we're going to talk about is Dan Danny Altavilla's um, Lost Zone Toolbox with Kyogre. No boss, double Clara, everything else is Lost Zone no drapion um which you know you're not really contributing to the um disposal of mew in this format if you're not playing drapion so uh but other than that this list is as turbo as it gets four recyclers it looks like this yeah. thing absolutely wanted to streamline using kyogre as often and as effective as possible the yeah the four energy recyclers is kind of wild but um l listening to like a uh, someone talk about the list i forget who it was or where i saw or maybe it was even a twitter post um but the fact that there was four energy recyclers kind of allowed them to make easier decisions off comfy to get rid of one or two which also uh therefore made the opponent think oh they got rid of an energy recycler or two there's no way they can pull off the kyogre and made them feel a lot safer to play things on their bench that maybe they wouldn't have if they hadn't seen um an energy re recycler or two gone it just made them allowed them to go super turbo and i i really do think if the top eight match uh for danny hadn't gone so horribly because i mean he had he was in winning position two separate times and just got judged at the right time and then his comfy draws were literally the like would be the two cards he needed and you know which just automatically got rid of the combo i think if that hadn't happened he might have gone you know at least to finals if not one because he played it so well even for the positions he was given after those really bad judges and things like that so really cool list and yeah just like you said super aggro super turbo and just catching people off guard with the uh with the extra energy recyclers yeah no danny's a monster this is absolutely a sick list to watch piloted and i would expect a lot of people to start trying the four recycler combo in the future uh so now we're going to turn our attention uh back over to malmo uh brian devries played um gardevoir ex it's a very similar list to towards but also very different at the same time um, you've got two Guardi EX, which is staple for sure. Um, the one Shining Arcana Gardevoir, which people have been back and forth about two or one and the effectiveness of that specific tech. Uh, two of these Zacians with the Storm Slash and so on and so forth. One Luminion, which we saw with Tord's deck for sure. Still running the Sky Seal Stone. But in this list, you've got one Spicy Path, a Temple of Sinnoh, and a Collapse. So all of those stadium plays that you need to really tilt the game in your direction this list has those answers and i really like the way that it's all shaken out um it doesn't play clara clara is kind of a tech that i've been back and forth on uh being able to repeat attack with the 
um, Zacian, after having used all of your ball search and fog crystals, it's a little bit more difficult to redraw into that Zacian with the Miriam, so I always like having two outs to that Pokemon recovery. But again, this list is sick. You know, a top 8 finish for Gardevoir EX without the Mewtwo V Union just seems like the deck is getting more consistent. It's, you know, becoming more meta relevant to better players with the amount of options and variety you have with the um, unlimited, essentially, draw that Curlia provides you. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm, I'm really loving the stadium split, too, because um, I, I'm guessing that Brian DeVries was maybe expecting kind of the uh, Alex Shemansky Arceus box with the Alolan Vulpix. Um, so that Path of the Peak is actually really strong in that matchup because it does shut off your abilities um, so you can actually attack into the Alolan Vulpix. So I like that a lot. And then playing the Worker, obviously, to get rid of that on the following turns if you need to. Um, but yeah, going back, I, I'm also a big fan of the Clara versus Miriam just because of, like you said, the drawing into it, you know, chancing it and things like that. Um, but Miriam has proved to be really strong in this deck. So, you know, maybe that's the, the piece I'm missing to do well with the deck. Um, but no, I, I do. I agree. I like this list. It's very consistent, very strong. Um, and just, yeah, I, I really... I'm a really big fan of that stadium split, honestly, because even going back to the collapse, like say you have something that you, you don't want to get, to get knocked out or you need to open up a bench spot, you collapse, you know, collapse, get re- open up a bench spot, then worker the collapse away, and now you've opened up a spot on your bench again. So just really, really cool. Right. And, you know, finding that turn one path is going to be difficult. Do you, have, you do have research, which can give you a reasonable uh, turn two. Um, well, turn one going second. Um, if you draw into that path, you get slightly less steamrolled versus Arceus. And I think that that's the biggest benefit to this deck. Yeah, and I've actually even seen too lately where um, a lot of people are switching to the Forest Seal Stone in the deck instead of Sky Steel Stone. You know, you're, you're missing out on that opportunity to take an extra prize card, but at the same time, you're making the deck even that much more consistent because you're finding that one... Cause, let's be real even though you're drawing so many cards sometimes you have that variance of you are missing that one card to finish the combo um so adding that forest seal stone does add that but in this list obviously brian chose to go with the sky seal stone um which i'm a big fan of i like taking extra prizes if i can but i also do like the consistency option that people are starting to add in of that forest seal stone right 100 percent agreed uh the list is sick had to feature it uh but with that being said let's dive into the meta share study um not a whole lot changing Lugia Archaeops, Lost Zone Box uh, with Radiant Greninja, and Mew Genesect all stay very good. Very consistent finishes across the board between Malmo and um, Hartford. Um, the new tier below, which is kind of a hot take, but Fusion Mew is great for this format, and I really do think that it has secured a spot in that kind of tier 2 area. And then Duraludon and all of its flavors and varieties right now just appear to be very strong. They can steal games away from people, and you know they don't take as often as an auto loss to Lugia as most other decks do. Uh, falling into tier three is going to be the Arctina. Uh, Lost Box Charizard is going to stay there as well, and moving up is the regular Gardevoir EX deck. Um, do you have any thoughts on where those kind of sit right now? 
I know we had talked about Arceus Giratina actually like moving down last week. Um, you know, or last week we talked about it would potentially move down, which it did obviously move down a tier. And I think that is because going to, you know, it being a more played deck, people expected it more. Um, so they're more prepared for it. Um, Fusion Mew moving up this high, like this rapidly, I think is a, a I don't want to say a hot take, but a a wild take but it's also a true take because the meta is slightly slow i mean some of those lost boxes can really take off obviously like the turbo builds mu genesex uh, like the normal dte mu is really fast but like a lot of decks like the arc variants and uh gardevoirs and lugia archaeops take a turn or two to set up and if you can really be explosive with your uh Meloettas and just get going and take a crucial knockout before you can get set up it makes sense why that's moved up so fast because it is a fast and aggressive deck and it can take advantage of this format. Yep, I tend to agree. Um, moving down to the tier below, Arceus Boxes, Mirrodon Flaffy, and Gardevoir Mewtwo still stay relevant. Uh, they deserve to be respected in this format, so if you really don't have an answer for it or you don't think you're going to be playing against any of this Arceus Fringe or the Turn 1 Explosiveness of Mirrodon Flaffy, or just the late game disasters that God of War Mewtwo can provide. Um, you know, the, it still needs to be in the back of your mind, and it's something that you should definitely at least consider playtesting against uh, before a big event. And the final tier, which is going to consist of Lost Zone Gudra, Lost Zone Giratina, Mirrodon Regilecki, and Inteleon Urshifu. You know, all four of these are good decks they are fun to play they have a place in the format but right now not seeing a lot of success and not generating a lot of popularity from good players um i think that combination right now is just making them very difficult to um work their way up in the ranking system but again they do have that flavor of the week where if you don't tech for it or if you don't respect it it can potentially steamroll you but I don't know. It just kind of seems like uh, they're dropping off in terms of popularity and success. Yeah, I mean, and it kind of makes sense for that D tier. Um, you know, Gudra is, it can be an incredibly strong deck, but I think in this format with such a heavy lost, uh, or not lost, um, escape rope uh, builds and escape ropes in so many decks right now, it just, the whole point of Gudra is to be able to wall off that, you know, that damage. People are escape rope bossing around it left and right because it's just in every single deck makes it incredibly less strong um you know giratina lost zone box we've talked about it over and over again it's theory it's good but it's just it just play the basic lost zone boxes pretty much <laughs> it just makes more sense um right on regilecki you're putting too many you know big prizers out there uh three prizers uh, and especially with the turbo loss box being able to take advantage of that not good and then intelian urshifu much as I love the idea of the deck, it's just it's it's too combo heavy and luck like luck based um, because the draw engine's not really there. So if you get in a, a weird situation, you're kind of just drawing, you're top decking into what you would need for your turns and stuff like that. So um, I, I I like the way the deck looks in play. Um, I just don't think it has. Um, the right routes, unfortunately, right now. So, No, I tend to agree. And I think the biggest thing, and I'm reverting back to the Gudra discussion, um, the more Arceus Duraludon sees success, the less Gudra 
becomes effective and powerful if something is going to shred for 220 you know and now they have a bench sitting boss's orders ability that you can't really stop so if they get that first hit the math just doesn't check out yeah that and then the lugia archaeops to uh the lugia decks playing the single strike uh urshifu which literally just swings right through it um for a one hit ko so yeah it just between Lugia being S tier with those the Urshifus in there, and then the Duraladons, you know, seeing a lot of play, yeah, I agree. It's it's just not a good sign for Gudra on top of all the escape ropes. Right, you know, what is it? Uh, all five decks in the top two tiers all have shred potential. Yeah. So it's <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you do? How how do you get around that? You you just don't. Um, but yeah, that's how the meta shakes out right now. Uh, doesn't mean that there isn't any room for something sneaky to work its way back in, but right now, in terms of success, popularity, and just overall, um, you know, how it fits into the format, um, is determined on the players. So if you want something on this list, go play it at an event and we'll talk about it. I promise. (laughs) Okay. So this is the part of the show that I was really, really not looking forward to, but it needs to be discussed. It's what we do. You know, we're a part of the community and it needs to be um, addressed. Uh, this weekend we had some really sensitive topics. Um, this is an additional trigger warning for those who wish not to listen to the following topics of discussion. It will get heated. Some foul language may be used. Um, so here is your warning. Justin, I don't know if you want to put earmuffs on or something like that, but, <laughs> you know. Uh, all right, I got to shake it off. Okay, so Rowan Stavenaugh. Some of you know, Rowan won the Hartford Regional shortly after a tweet was put out by somebody on Twitter. The video shows a friend, quote-unquote, of Rowan, shaving a, um, uh, and they're shaving a swastika into Rowan's head. doesn't appear that he had knowledge of what was being shaven into his head, but his friends in the video did laugh, and this is an incredibly harmful image being put on this young man's body. For some insight... Um, the swastika is a symbol adopted by Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime. Their use of this symbol stains a past of anti-Semitism, hatred, and infamy. Nazis still to this day, in fucking 2023, use this symbol to represent their white supremacists and right-wing movements. Um, for those unaffected by the Holocaust, which was a horrific genocide that stole the lives of a third of the Jewish population during that time, coordinated by the nazis it may not to be it may not be as harmful as a symbol symbol um, in terms of imagery but for those who are jewish and come from jewish families it is an incredibly dark past that follows them their entire lives and the swastika in any shape or form is a visible scar on the past of jewish people back to rowan um he did release a statement and i am going to read this statement verbatim I do apologize if this is a longer and more somber topic in this podcast. Yes, I know we talk about Pokemon, but this is something that needs to be addressed in this community. So here is Rowan's statement. Uh, To all the members of the Pokemon community who have been hurt by the video of me that has been circulating, I am sorry. Uh, I understand why you're hurt. The swastika is not a symbol to be thrown around lightly. Symbol represents the death of millions of Jewish people and a horrible genocide and a hate that persists to this day. The diversity and inclusivity um, of our Pokemon community are incredibly important to me 
as it is the very place where I found my own sense of belonging. Any form of hate has no place here. It truly pains me to know that a video featuring myself has made people feel unsafe and unwelcome in the community. I have always strived to approach every new interaction within the Pokemon community as an opportunity to spread kindness and promote the game that we all love. In the video, I, Rowan, was drunk and decided to shave my head. I had been planning this. I told my friends that they would make me look as stupid as they want before giving me a clean shave. Friends, quote unquote, uh, might I remind everybody. In the video, you can hear me say, I can't see the side, somebody take a picture. I truly did not know what was going to be shaved into my head. I wouldn't have never allowed it if I knew. Immediately after learning what was drawn on my head, I had my friend shave my head. Um, I was truly disgusted and very uncomfortable with being associated with that symbol. I did not post any of these videos on any of my social medias and felt gutted when I saw one of my friends had posted it. Friends. Again, quote unquote. I had told them that this was not funny or a joke and I have told them again. The seriousness of this situation cannot be overstated as it has not only tarnished a significant moment in my life but also my reputation and many relationships I have had built in the community. To all those who reached out to me with kind words to hear my story, thank you to all those who stood against anti-Semitism online. I thank you as well. Thank you for reading my story. Sincerely, Rowan. <sighs> okay, so that's a lot to digest. This young man just accomplished an incredible goal. This moment was probably the best and worst part of his Pokemon career. I strongly encourage Rowan to take time to reflect on your words. They become your actions. And your actions become your character. Your friends, quote unquote, who donned you with this symbol of hate, are not your friends, and you need to be better. Justin, if you have anything to say, please feel free to add now. I I do have a little bit to say, and it's it's incredibly hard to judge a like situation, uh, Rowan specifically, because obviously this is not a symbol to take lightly and things to happen. Um, I believe, you know, as a community, I think we can all agree that his um, his explanation or his statements that he came out with, um, if it is true, is very, you know, um, I can't even think of the right words to say, is I'm glad he came out with a statement. Um, I, I really do hope that this is a true statement, like he's not just saying something like this to cover himself. Um I, if it is true, I do definitely think it's something that we do deserve to give Rowan um, a fresh start, second chance, keep him in the community. It's not like he um, blatantly said, oh, this is a lie, blah, 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 you know, or made up some crazy out there excuse or even back to, I, I'm going to ramble a little bit on this, but um, all I can say is, yeah, those people should not be your friends if they're doing stuff like this. Um I believe I saw a tweet somewhere from someone that investigated and found out that it might have even been his brother um, that was the one that posted the video video initially, whose uh, Twitter also had some uh, not very positive things on there towards multiple different groups. Um, so just, Rowan, please keep with those words that you said in your statement and show that this is truly how you are. Like, you actually feel like or you are actually not an anti-Semite. Um, yeah, that's all I've really got to say. Like I said, I'm stumbling over my words because I don't even really know how to... I never thought I would have to talk about this in the Pokemon community, but it is something that needs to be talked about. 
And, you know, we're competing with our friends and some family members. Kids go to these events and stuff like this. Twitter is a horrible place, and I'm not blaming Twitter for this coming to light. Not by, you know, any means. I think Rowan still has some responsibility to take here, obviously. But come the fuck on. We need to grow up. You know, if we want to enjoy this, this is a card game that we all enjoy that brings us back to great memories in our life. We get to, you know, reminisce on Pokemon being a part of our childhood and still a part of our young to, you know, late adulthood. Um, it's, it's a celebration of like-minded people. And, you know, this, although Rowan may not be a Nazi himself, what it does is it opens a door for anti-Semites to allow themselves back into this community because now somebody who's won a regional potentially represented them and that can't happen so with that being said i i need rowan of all people and including the entire community but rowan of all people need to make a stance that anti-semitism hatred racism and any other type of uh, hatred towards humanity in in general um, which is probably not the correct term, but I'm, you know, I'm fuming. This is a really sensitive discussion. You know, we need to make sure our community is strong, inclusive, and peaceful. And, you know, it, it, it takes the community to make these decisions because Pokemon's not going to do anything to make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't happen. They're not going to deny somebody a $70 regional, um, what is it, registration, because... It's for the money, and it's up to the community to make sure that these people don't feel allowed in this game. And Rowan, just grow up and lead the example, and that'll be, you know, not your forgiveness, but it's the first step. Yeah, and I guess that's where I was, like, what I was trying to say with it is, like, uh, Rowan needs to show that he stands with not being, you know, a Nazi, obviously, going forward, and and stand with everyone against these people, and that will then show that, you know, maybe we do believe him that this video was actually not him intentionally doing this and his, like you said, quote-unquote friends messing with him, and now them doing that has ruined his reputation. So, yes, Rowan needs to be a leader in this next movement to show that he actually is, you know a part of this Pokemon community and part of the better, you know, part of humanity and stuff like that. Yep. I tend to agree. All right. So that's enough about that specific instance in Malmo. We also had some cheating, which is great. More cheating. Yep. Every week we're talking about a new cheating scandal in this week's stream match. Oliver Barnett had two prizes remaining. One was Calrus and one was Clara. Clara wins him the game versus Mew VMAX, and Calrus doesn't necessarily provide that auto-win condition. So Oliver takes an KO, grabs the Calrus off the prizes, and says, oops, and quickly puts it back in his prizes and grabs the Clara. This is gross behavior. You know, this is what we see on stream. This does not, you know really tell the tale of how much maybe Oliver cheats not on stream. And now it's gotten to the point where there have been so many cheating scandals that you need to watch your opponent 
at every second of the game. When they're taking prizes, don't even draw your first card yet. You know, make sure you're counting the cards in your opponent's hand. Make sure they're shuffling even the top cards on their deck and make sure you're cutting your opponent's deck. Don't get distracted. Take as much time as you need because the game just seems like it's being played incredibly unfair and that's not a dynamic that needs to be allowed in this game. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the clip, it is... So, first off, Oliver kind of seemed like he had no remorse towards the whole thing after the fact, um, just through his social media outlets and stuff like that. Um, But then, also, if you actually watch the video, it is pretty much so blatant. I mean, it's, it's kind of incredible that someone thought they can get away with this, to the point where her Limitless, who was the one putting on, like, streaming this event and put it on, actually cut the clip themselves and posted it because it was so obvious what just happened. I mean, you see the video, and they literally, Oliver literally lifts the card up, and it's like nine-tenths of the way off of the the glass stream cam to where, like, you could see the physical card if you were in his position, and puts it back down, grabs the other card, and slides it, and, like, mix, slides the chorus over to where the Clara was. It is, like, so, uh, like, so blatant. I mean, it's just, like, obviously maybe he didn't expect his opponent to see, but, I mean, you're on stream with with prize cameras, with everything. Like, how did you not expect that to get caught? It was so just obvious. It's wild to me. And it's, like, they're just getting more and more bold i guess is the word and it's like if you spend this much time practicing cheating or trying to get away with cheating like imagine if you put that time into actually trying to get better at the game maybe you would win as much as you are winning by cheating i don't know it's just it is kind of um upsetting that we're every week literally every week there's a cheating scandal going on yeah and it's just filthy man like i I am in the grand scheme of things, I'm nobody in this game, right? But from my perspective, as a community member, as somebody who, you know, plays with the juniors and seniors at my local shops, you know, it's our responsibility as players from a visual aspect on stream to show the game played at the highest level correctly by the rules. Because, you know, if I don't want to say they're pros, but people who are playing well at regionals are being featured are doing these types of things. That small interaction not called out immediately on stream just puts that imagery in some younger players head. Like, Oh, if I didn't grab the prize that I needed for game, I could just quickly switch it out with the other one. And that is directly against the rules. And it's going to make for a very bad experience. The first time somebody who learns that neat little trick you posted there and gets caught and gets DQ'd and ruins their whole event and you're to blame for it. So just stop cheating, like, in general. And then we won't have to worry about you cheating on stream and being that terrible influence and representation of the game. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just, I, the whole point you play this game is, for me anyways, is like, is not even variance, but just like the the technical skills and to, to make your brain work. And it's like, something fun about that and if you're just going out of your way and just going i just want to win so i'm gonna cheat and look at it just doesn't make sense to me it's like why even play the game if you just you're not actually winning based on your skill you're just winning because you cheated like that just doesn't 
it sounds like a waste of time to me because you're not actually giving yourself a, a challenge to overcome and actually be a better you know be better at what you're doing you're just cheating cheating just to say you won yeah. that's not skill it's just manipulation and it's stupid it has no place in this game and there's a reason why it's in the rules pokemon please open up your rule book and dq people who do these things you know that's all there is to be said about that dq or ban and the la- <laughs> yeah exactly that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying um the last fun topic of discussion is creepy activity um the individual who was affected by this will remain unnamed during this segment for you know their safety and because you know y'all don't really need to know who it is um a woman has been harassed by an individual in the pokemon community for quite some time being the mature individual that she is she has stayed in her lane while this person has consistently uh posted incredibly harmful and outright disrespectful things um on the internet at hartford uh the person who runs this account or is associated with the person who does run this account um, snapped a pic of her uh, while being in real close proximity and posted it to the page again. It's it's just super harmful, and now this obsession with her is really creepy and could lead to uh, something potentially harmful. It's borderline stalker activity, and it has no place in our community. If adults are being stalked at events like these, you have to think about the children in younger divisions that are going to these events in their safety. Um, to my understanding, Overload Events has done everything in their power uh, to help her identify the culprit. And from the updates, it sounds like there is progress being made. Uh, Justin, you have any thoughts on this wonderful topic? Uh, I, yeah, just the the creepiness of it, it. It's not borderline stalking. It is stalking. I mean, you're you're obsessed with this person. You're you're posting, like I said, incredibly hurtful things um, and just outright like wrong things and just getting close to people and it's just it's a creepy feeling all around um that this is happening and another reason why we're also leaving this person unnamed is because we do not want to draw attention to the stalkers page um because that's all it's doing is fueling the fire um you know even talking about it can unfortunately fuel the fire some and that's why we're leaving everyone unnamed and stuff like that but it's just um yeah the fact that this person has gone so incredibly far out of their way to make this person feel uncomfortably and uncomfortable and weird and to the point god i mean from the photo it looked like they could have literally been 20 foot away from this person um it's just that is actually creepy to me like i i'm a full-grown man and if someone did that to me i would be taking the exact same steps this person is taking to do everything in their power to find out who it is because that's just i I don't know who you are. I don't know what your intentions are. I don't know what your capabilities are, and I don't want to find out. And so, yeah, it is definitely something that is, um, again, not welcomed here. Yeah, no, it's obsessive. It's gross. Um, You know, we're all there for a common reason, right? To play Pokemon, to make friends, to enjoy this game together. And I keep referring back to this same topic. Uh, But we do need to be be stronger as a community. Uh, Make those who are, you know, weird creepy stalkery you know uh anti-semite racist you know transphobic homophobic make them feel unwelcome this is uh you know it's our community pokemon's not going to do anything to help um so it really is up to us to defend and protect each other um these events are only as fun as we allow them to be 
And for every five good people, there might be one creepy person. So, you know, just be aware of your surroundings. And, you know, if you see Justin or I at any event and you feel unsafe, feel free to tell us. You know, we'd be um, happy to hang with you, you know, for as long as it takes until, um, you know, you're safe. So just be a good community member and follow our lead, I suppose. And, you know, everyone will be fine. But this is just... It's just shitty to talk about. I hate it. Yeah. I hate all of this. And me too. I throw kegs around for a living. I'll I'll, I'll throw someone around. <laughs> I'll get banned. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. Like I'm not getting my world's invite. I'd happily take someone to the parking lot. So, um, yeah. Uh, let's but let's please move on to something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, Woohoo! <laughs> and our our DMs are open if you guys want to talk or have an open discussion about any of these things. Um, at PCS underscore Pod at katana tcg at poker brews tcg um we'd be happy to you know discuss anything with you if you need to and if you just just flat out disagree with our stuff and you reach out to us we know exactly who to ban so yeah and, and sorry to get so dark with it too guys like this is something that obviously like it sucks to talk about but it is something that we feel like we needed to talk about it's um it's important for the community to know the stuff's going on and to um as a community all grow together and be better together. So it is something we need to talk about, um, even though it is tough. And, uh, you know, let's get back to the uh, the stuff we're here for, the Pokemon, um, you know, the fun part of it. So what's up, Drew? Yep. Yep. Okay, so we're going to move on to the news. Uh, NAIC registration went live last week. There were three waves. A lot of people got in and a lot of people did not. The community was obviously frustrated because they wanted a shot to play in the largest Pokemon event ever. But between RK9 malfunctioning and the timing of registration, this turned out to be a real mess. Justin, I know you got in, but what are your thoughts on the entire situation? Yeah, uh, so yeah, I luckily was able to get in um, wave one, so I'm really excited for that. Um, it did take me about 15 times of refreshing the page, um, which was very frustrating and kind of like worrisome. You know, I really thought I was not going to make it into the wave. Um, one of the biggest things that I've seen pop up from this conversation, and it's, and it's kind of unfortunate, um, is in this Pokemon community that we have, um, one of the bigger parts of Pokemon is the collector side of things. And so there is, um, I don't know the truth, how, how true it is or to what extent, but supposedly there is a large number of people who are registered just to get the... Um, the NAIC or the the IC welcome package, which is like um, this year, it's like the, all the evolutions, mats, um, sleeves, all this like promotional stuff, um, which can resell on the secondary market for a pretty penny. Um, or you know, the collector's just going to sit on it for five years and flip it. And if this is the case, this really sucks because um, all someone has to do is make a you know play ID account and then register uh for the ic which is really unfortunate um and i think one way to if that if this is the issue one way to fix that is um and and i know logistically it's gonna it would be a nightmare but maybe instead of giving out the kits when you check in um before the tournament even starts maybe give it to after day one after you've completed you know the fifth going into lunch break or whatever you know Make it to where the people actually have to be there and compete through X amount of rounds before they can even get their their stuff. 
This way it keeps the people who are just going to show up, get their stuff, and never you know, show up for the round one. Um, this doesn't happen, or at least it mitigates it a little bit. It, it, it causes people to be there because I can almost guarantee you with this high seed, there's going to be an incredible amount of round one people just don't show up, um, which is going to be a free win for people, but at the same time it's going to suck. They're, they're paying money to play. Um, you know, it's just, and those spots could have been people who were actually looking to compete in this event. Yeah, this is a really big and special event. I'm not taking anything away from collectors. I'm not taking anything away from rookie players. I think everybody should have access to come play at an event. If you made wave wave one through three, sick. Congratulations. You did it. Please come play the game and have fun and sit down and go 0-9. But at the same time, you know, it's... um, it does kind of suck that people think it's funny that they sniped the play mat and all this stuff for the low, low price of setting up for the IC to flip and make a profit off of. But at the same time, as a community, welcome them in, introduce them to the game. Maybe we'll have new friends, new community members that can really contribute something to what we already enjoy. Cause we really do need some new and nice blood in this community <laughs> right now. Um, but overall, I'm very excited. I saw a lot of names, and I'm looking forward to seeing compete at this top level, uh, one of them being Justin. Um, and it's uh, it's re- it's really exciting. You know, The NAIC hype was a delight to see. It really does inject a new life into the meta. It's going to be in a relatively brand-new format, so... I'm very, very excited to spectate from afar. I won't be able to make it, but I heard uh, that Justin's going to go there and play some basketball too, which would be really cool. Um, and maybe he'll uh, dunk, dunk on some other podcasters and stuff like that. Yeah, shout out to uh, JW from the Tag Team Pod. Uh, he put, made that post, and I started tagging other podcasters like, let's get the po- uh, podcaster showdown going. Yeah, no, that would be super duper fun. Um, but yeah. Uh, congratulations to those who made it in the NAIC. Uh, my condolences for those who did not make it in, unfortunately. Uh, but there will be, you know, if this hype stays around next season's IC, they're going to have to plan for 4,000. That's really all I have to say about that. I will. I do want to add one more cav- Or Sorry, I know we were about to move on, but one more thing, just another fix that they can do. And we've mentioned it many, many pods ago, but I think with these events getting so large... I think maybe it is time to start splitting, you know, TCG into one weekend and then the following weekends VGC and go and stuff like that because obviously these venues are massive and can fit more than the 2300 people playing the TCG because we're going to also have like 1500 people playing VGC and go and stuff like that. So, yeah, if you if you do split those weekends, maybe it allows us to have bigger uh tcg tournaments and stuff like that then again that's wishful thinking now they're having to rent for two different weekends staff for that etc 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 um so it could be a fix but at the same time just trying to just throwing those options out there yep no i think you're spot on for sure um we'll move on to the listener question aaron from our discord asks vendors at regionals yeah or nay is it worth getting some old energies or uh is your experience What's your experience with uh, some of the best ones to check out? Uh, Me, personally, vendors are cool. If you want that flex card, they almost always 
have it. Um, the organization that they have is usually pretty good. Take maybe two or three minutes for them to find a card if it's something kind of fringe. Uh, but it's always fun to see these display cases. Um, the cards are severely marked up. You will pay way more than TCG player, and there's really not a lot of wiggle room in terms of bartering for what you want. Um, in most instances, they like to buy the promos that are being given away at those events as they are exclusive to that event, and you could, you know, turn a small profit if you're never going to use that card. I like collecting the promos, but um, overall, I think vendors are really cool. I heard Full Grip is always outstanding service and outstanding collection. Uh, at these events um, I've only been to uh, team Northwest events and you know the vendors have still been pretty chill there but nothing super uh, extraordinary uh, Justin what are your thoughts on uh, vendors I'm mixed on the the vendor situation um, obviously if you need a, a card like super last minute um, it's great because they will likely have it unless it's obviously for a deck that's super popular and they're all bought out um, but my, my experiences with them is um, they are severely overpriced. I'm one of those people is I, I know what I'm going to be playing when I go, um, so I already have all the cards for it. Um, and I'm also willing to wait. Like recently, uh, Knoxville, there was a few cards that I needed for my retro decks, and uh, I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just check to see if any vendors have them. I check with the vendors, and sorry, that was a very loud truck going by my house for some reason. Um, anyways, um, and they're literally like, one of the cards I need, for instance, was a Shining Raichu. It's, it's an expensive card. Literally double what this condition would have been on TCG Player. Um, I've also had in the past, uh, pre-COVID, a couple interesting experiences with um, selling some cards. At, at the time, they gave me one price, went through everything, priced everything out. Then it was a different price, so I kind of had wasted my time because they told me one price and then severely marked it down whenever uh, we actually sat down to finalize everything. Um, so they are great, but for me, um, I'm willing to wait um, and just get it on TCG Player at cheaper or get it from a local shop or something for actual price versus paying a, an arm and a leg for something just to have it at that moment. Yeah, um, that's a real thing. Um, my very first regional, um, I played in Salt Lake, yeah. 2021 2022 no last season whatever last season was played in salt lake um didn't do too well but there you know the vendors were cool because they were there nobody was at the tables at the at the front because everyone was still playing their round and i rewarded myself with some full art cards that i wasn't going to be able to find in my local so you know it was a little bit of a splurging if you will very irresponsible but <laughs> it felt better than walking away not getting points and not getting anything. So vendors are kind of cool. I like the variety that they have. Get the plushies from them. Um, I never buy plushies from them, bro. They're always like gifted to me and I have so many still. Um, but if you have any other questions for us to answer on the pod, make sure you're hitting up our Twitter at PCS underscore pod. Uh, Patreon Discord update. Our next webcam locals is this Wednesday, as in not tomorrow, but the next day at uh, you know, May 24th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and it'll be in standard format. The prizing is 100 codes of Scarlet and Violet on PTCGL, uh, so be sure you're a part of our Patreon so you can come participate in this event. They're always really fun, and I'm very much so looking forward to this week. Uh, the GLC tournaments will resume in June as a bonus tournament. The date and time will be determined for that. 
Uh, with that being said, let's have our predictions for the Lima special event, Taiwan champs and Thailand champs. Justin, give me all three and then I'll give you my three. Ooh, um, I think uh, a Lugia with the single strike package is going to win one of them. Maybe the, uh, let's go with the Taiwan there. I think DTE Mu will probably win the SPE. And Thailand, I'm going to go out of left field and say Maridon Flaffy. Oh my god, you're crazy. In a best of one format that turns into a best of three, I can I could see that being uh, very much so the play. Um, Taiwan and Thailand, man, starting out as a best of one and turning into a best of three, like it's hard to think that Fusion Mew doesn't stay very strong in those specific formats because you know, you're winning a best of one and, you know, going first or second, you're incredibly strong with that deck. So, um, I'm going to say Thailand fusion Mew rears its ugly head. Um, Taiwan. Hmm. Lost box Kyogre and Lima special event. I think that Gardevoir finally gets its dub but only with the Mewtwo V Union version. I almost said the Mewtwo V Union for Thailand, but uh, I was like, ah, best of one. I was like, I had to change it up. Yep, so Fusion Mew, Lost Kyogre, Guardi, Mewtwo V Union. I have a buddy here who would be really excited to see it actually win something real for once. Um, but that's going to do it for the show. Justin, you got your plugs? Yeah, uh, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, my handle is PokeBruceTCG. And if you want to find me on Instagram, my handle is PokeBruce. Instagram is uh, currently the easiest way to reach me. Uh, but on both socials, you can find my Linktree account, where you can find things like my TCG Player Affiliate link. If you use that link, any shopping you do directly supports the show and upcoming regionals expenses, all while costing you nothing extra. You can also find things like our PCS Podcast official merchandise by Bonfire. Uh, that link is bonfire.com slash store slash pcspod. We also have a Twitch channel where we'll be live streaming the pod every week as soon as we get that up and going, um, as well as doing some tabletop games. You can find that at twitch.tv slash pcspod, and on to you, Drew. All right, if you want to find me on social media, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at t- uh, KatanaTCG. If you'd like to be a part of our uh, Discord tourneys, make sure you're joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash pcspodcast. We also have a bunch of different perks for the different tiers in our patreon so be sure to check those out get you some cool stuff and just be a part of our small community here and with that being said that is the end of the show justin go ahead and sign us off we'll see you guys next week see ya